All right, I know it might sound obnoxious to say, but I still think the Kentucky Wildcats are a better team than Michigan State. The coaching, on the other hand, don't necessarily know if it's where it needs to be right now. We're going to talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things, but on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. You can download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. On today's episode, we are going to be recapping Kentucky basketball's loss to Michigan State. It's not necessarily going to be more of a recap, but rather more of just kind of a discussion of what this team needs to do moving forward. There was so much to take away from this game. I've got so much I want to talk about today. I'm very excited about it. I was at the game in Indianapolis, as you can see by the hoodie that I'm wearing here. If you're watching on YouTube, it was insane. The atmosphere was great. Got to meet some fans, got to talk to some different people about Kentucky basketball. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Shout out to the people that I got to hang out with. It was a lot of fun. You know who you are. Anyway, I want to kind of break this down, obviously kind of going through what happened in this game. But there are so many things that I just did not expect from the Wildcats in this game that I'm surprised by and I think need to be adjusted moving forward. So we're going to talk about what happened in this game, and then later on I'm going to talk to you about some quotes that I got from a couple different fans just kind of get their perspective on this matchup because I agree with a lot of what was discussed. First thing I want to talk about here. Obviously, Kentucky loses in in double overtime, 86-77. to I had a really hard time deciding where I wanted to start with this matchup. I'm going to start with the free throws. Okay, you know, just as good as I do, Any team worth their salt that makes a run at a national title is a good free throw shooting team. Statistically, that has been proven over the last decade or so. The teams that get to the national title are able to knock their free throws down in crunch time. The Kentucky Wildcats were 16 of 24 from the foul line. That is 66.7%. That is unacceptable. Now, there may be some people out there that scoff at that take. There may be some people upset with that. This is a top five team in the country. This is a top three team in the country, talent-wise. Maybe the best. They need to be able to knock down their free throws if they are going to have their outside shooters have such a poor day. And we'll get to that in a second. You've got to be able to make your free throws. Michigan State, on the other hand, 85.2% from the line. They were 23 of 27. That is a hallmark of a disciplined team. We're going to talk about coaching in a second as well. Man, I got so much I want to talk about today. But the free throws, I think, were one of the most important things. If you make your free throws, this game does not go to overtime. This game does not go to double overtime. Instead, you had Kentucky walking up there, going one for two in at several points, crucial points in this game. It's just unacceptable. It's unacceptable moving forward. You've got Gonzaga here coming up. you got South Carolina State. Make your free throws. It's important. For this non-con slate, you got to knock them down. Okay, the second thing. Let's talk about offensive scheme for a second. We talked about it this summer. We talked about it after the St. Peter's game. We've been discussing this on this podcast for a while now, and I'm not going to sit here 
and rag on Coach Cal because he has been able to get these talented players in the building and he is a winning coach. I'm not here to rag on Cal. What I am here to say is that I find it difficult to believe that Cal is taking the blame after this loss and saying, this is on me, this is on our coaching staff, not having a play in the moment with four or five seconds left, not having a set or something that we could run to get a good look, that's on me. But at the same time, most of our team wasn't healthy, so we didn't have the ability to practice it. You're not taking the blame while also saying you're taking the blame. It's a little confusing to me. I'm just going to sit here and say, I've never been a fan of what Kentucky likes to run offensively, both in their half court and in close game situations. I've never been a fan of it. They've had clutch players in the past. They do not have clutch players, or at least they did not last year. They may have it this year, and we're just going to need time to actually see it. But goodness gracious, the best thing that Kentucky could come up with was a half-court shot to Jacob Toppin, and that was not even the first look. That was not the first read. It was just a, a broken play at the end of regulation. I believe it was at the end of regulation. Could have been at the end of uh, the first overtime. But there needs to be a discussion about what Kentucky is doing, X's and O's wise, to draw up stuff at the end of games. It was the exact same thing for St. Peter's. They did not have a good look. They did not have a good run uh, uh, play to, to run. And the reason that I think this is so important is because you look on the other side. And you look at what uh, Tom Izzo was able to draw up several times to get the Spartans in this game. Again, you talk about a hallmark of a good, sound, well-coached team. Michigan State is that. Izzo's been doing it for two decades plus now. He's been rolling with the Spartans for quite some time. And the fact that Kentucky considering I believe that there is still a talent gap between the Spartans and the Wildcats, the fact that they were still unable to overcome that, and then on top of that, they don't have the X's and O's to kind of boost their play themselves. Very frustrating. Very, very, very frustrating. Okay, officiating. Let's talk about that for a second. So I don't necessarily, it's not fair to pin losses on officials unless it directly affects like the final outcome of a play or something like that. It's difficult to really have legitimate conversations. And I am not here to say that the officials gave Michigan State the game. All I'm saying is that there are a couple of different really important plays in this game that went against Kentucky, and it was very frustrating to watch the inconsistency from the officials as far as the aggression sometimes with the foul calling and then the lack thereof of, you know, uh, a foul being called where there should be one. And then the biggest, one of the biggest points of the game was when Kentucky got a stop and they were looking to score. Jacob Toppin was cutting inside into the lane. He was about to get the ball from Severe Wheeler. I believe it was Severe. And he was going to score. He was going to score. There was nobody in the paint. He was going to go down and he was going to dunk it or lay it in. And they blew the play dead because a Michigan State player was hurt on the opposite side of the court all the way underneath the opposing team's basket. That it should not have happened. Objectively, should the play should not have been stopped. They should have let it go, and that would have probably decided the outcome in regulation, would have put Kentucky up by enough to kind of secure that. And again, I'm not sitting here saying it, it, they cost them the game. Michigan State could have run back down and knocked down to three or gotten fouled and knocked down. Things could have happened, but I'm saying... 
It's just the officiating was inconsistent in this game. And that one particular play should have never happened. It should have never been blown dead. Should have never been blown dead. The final thing I want to get to here before we move along is Case and Wallace. He, everybody knows, I've talked about it. He's my favorite player on the team. I said that heading into the season. I said that defensively, he is going to be incredibly valuable for the Wildcats considering their backcourt situation. And I said that he is going to be a stud. Well, let's just take a look at his stat line here real quick. He played 44 minutes in this double overtime win. Most out of anybody in the rotation. 5 of 10 from the floor. 2 of 5 from 3. 2 of 4 from the foul line, which is probably one of the biggest areas that I was very frustrated. He went 1 of 2 a couple different times. He had 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 8 steals, a block. And then those 14 points, like I mentioned. He did not have a turnover in regulation. In the 34 minutes that he played in regulation, he had 10 points, and he had no turnovers. And then in those final two overtimes, he had four points, he had no blocks, he had no steals, and he had three turnovers. You want to see more consistency from Wallace in those clutch moments, but you also have to understand that this kid's a freshman, and he, didn't, he does not play like a freshman. I think that it got to him there at the end, and it's perfectly understandable. It's not all, all on one player. I still genuinely am very pleased with the way that he played overall in this game. And the eight steals, man. (laughs) We talked about this kid being a defensive menace. That's what he was pegged as coming out of high school. Square shoulders, IQ through the roof. Whoever coached this man in high school taught him discipline. He is phenomenal on that end. One of the best best on-ball defenders in the country already. And I think that Kentucky's going to have to lean on that at different times this season when you're asking for uh, defensive stops, uh, especially whenever you know the opposing team has a good backcourt. And I'm not saying that Frederick and Reeves are terrible at defense or Wheeler. I'm just saying that it's going to be important that Kentucky kind of relies on him. And I think he's going to be able to step up to the plate. Phenomenal, phenomenal uh, uh, outing for Casey Wallace up until the very end there. All right. I want to continue along, just kind of get my thoughts on all of this. It's just there's so... For a game that is only, what, the third game of the season, there's just so much I think that you can genuinely take away from this. We'll talk about whether or not this is actually, you know, something we can truly dive into because it's November. And I, because some people may say that, I want to push back on that in just a second. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Upside, guys, whether it's driving less, dining out less, or buying less from the grocery store, we can all agree that there's nothing fun about less. And that's why I and several of my friends and family members have started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. And with Upside, I don't have to cut back because I get cash back on every purchase that I make. It's absolutely phenomenal. I actually started using it because, uh, obviously, we, we, we talk about them here on the podcast. And then it was so great, I had to recommend it to some of my family members and some of my, my friends. It is a phenomenal app. I would highly encourage you to actually check it out. You will get cash back on every single purchase that you make. And to get started, you can download the free Upside app and use my promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and get $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. You can claim an offer from whatever you're buying on Upside. You can check in at the business that you're you're at. You can pay as usual with a credit card or a debit card, and you can get paid. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars collectively every single week, and that's probably why they have such a high rating on the App Store. Again, dead serious. It's It's a great, great app. 
I would highly encourage you, you guys to download the free app today. Again, use promo code LOCKED. $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Again, promo code is LOCKED. All right, continuing along here on the Thursday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Got back from Indianapolis yesterday. Again, phenomenal trip. Uh, really, really cool to see snow where I'm at. I don't get to see it very often. Uh, it was really, really cool. Indianapolis is a really cool city. Gamebridge Fieldhouse, very, very clean. Not the newest uh, facility, I would say, but they've definitely done a phenomenal job making it look like it is uh, a newer a newer place. Just really, really cool vibes. Really, really cool vibes. The people that I got to hang out with really appreciate them. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Probably going to make a trip up to Rupp here in the next couple of months. We'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully, maybe I get to see some of you guys. Okay, some more points I wanted to make. So we talked about the offensive scheme, right? We talked about, you know, just the fact that there's not a whole lot there when it comes to sets late and different things like that. And Cal acknowledged that. I want to make a point here or make a, a, a give an opinion. The transition defense that Kentucky had, the or the lack of transition defense, was more costly, I think, than the offensive lapses. I think that the 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 inability to get back on defense when Kentucky needed to the most throughout this game, I'm talking first half, second half, end of regulation, first overtime, second overtime, the fact that Kentucky could not consistent, consistently get back was so confusing, I guess, to me. So if you were listening to this podcast about a year ago, let's, give, let's go back to the Notre Dame game for a second. And we love Oscar Sheboy to death, one of the most valuable players in the country, played phenomenal in this game. We'll get to that in a minute. But the play that really kind of let Michigan State get in, get back into it late to kind of tie it was, a, was an out-of-bounds play where Michigan State was running a couple different things and their big man cut to the basket and Shibway got lost at the top of the paint. He got lost because of a guy that was cutting around the left side off of a screen. He got lost when that, whenever that guy went to cut and it was just a defensive breakdown and it was his fault. And we're talking transition defense here, but that was off of an out-of-bounds play. It was consistent throughout the night where Kentucky would just kind of fall asleep at different points. And I'm not sitting here to rag on Shibway. The point I want to make here is that Kentucky's gotten bit bitten on that type of stuff consistently. I mean, to go back to the Notre Dame game, it happened several times to Shibway where the defense, were, or excuse me, the offense would on a set play or in transition, they would draw him out outside of the paint and then they would have somebody cut, and then they would have somebody roll, roll off of a screen, and it would always be the big man or the person cutting to the basket that would get the ball, and Shibway would be the one that was caught, just kind of in this weird spot where he couldn't necessarily commit to anything. It was just a, a mental lapse. And you see that on defense as well in transition. You see the Wildcats just stumble a couple different times. That out-of-bounds play that, that Izzo ran where they had another player come back out of bounds and then throw the ball ahead. There was a play, that play where just Wheeler just fell down and then Jacob Toppin kind of stumbled and then they got caught in a weird spot at the basket where they, they had to commit to a man that was also cutting, but there was also the big man that was just going to take it right in and dunk. You've got to be able to get set and get ready in those moments. Kentucky just was not getting back. They just weren't. In Michigan State, they turned the ball over in this game. Let's be clear. It wasn't like Kentucky didn't do anything on the defensive end. They had 18 turnovers. Kentucky had 12 steals off of those 18 turnovers. But you got to be able to get back. We talk about the offense, right? We talk about the athleticism, being able to get up and down the court. Because we know it's there. 
let's apply it to the defensive end as well. And by the way, I'm not angry. Like, let's be clear. This is the third game of the season. Uh, this is a game that Kentucky could have won. Uh, as far as resume building, it's a vital game, especially considering what Michigan State did against Gonzaga and what Michigan State could do with their non-conference slate. I believe they play Alabama. They play a couple other big-name schools here uh, in the coming weeks. But this was a game that you didn't necessarily need right now, but you needed it for down the road when you talk about seeding. This is a game that could keep Kentucky out of the first uh, out, out of a first seed in the NCAA tournament. So fine-tuning some of these t- things now is going to be crucial, crucial for this team moving forward. Two-point field goal efficiency, I think, is something that you have to look at in this game for the Kentucky offense. And this is something, I, I, I a quote that we're going to talk about later from somebody. Kentucky from the floor was 38.6% from the floor. You've got, to, you've, you've got to be able to make your layups, guys. We talk about making free throws, finish at the rim. You've got players that can do it extremely well. Finish at the rim. Jacob Toppin, Severe Wheeler, Antonio Reeves. You've got to be able to get to the rim, first of all, which Kentucky can. But whenever you get in position to make layups, open or not, contested, we've seen Kentucky do it. Knock him down. It was so weird. Wheeler, 6 of 16 on the night, by the way, in the 40 minutes that he played. He had 8 assists, 3 turnovers, a block somehow, had a block at five foot nine. He got to the rim on this one play where he laid it up off the high off the glass. Just really, really difficult shot. And then he would immediately come down a few plays later and just miss an open layup on the other side of the basket. I mean, just miss it. Just point blank. I mean, you've got to be able, again, these are things that championship teams do, and I believe Kentucky has the ability to do. So we're not going to sit here and freak out. It's just, it's so weird to see several things that could have happened happen in this game. All the negative things. You can't knock down your outside shots. You can't hit at the rim. By the way, Kentucky, 28% from three. It's just not a good shooting night overall. Michigan State is a physical basketball team. They're a physical club. Tom Izzo, that's the way he likes to play. They've got the personnel to do it. Their center, um, I I keep forgetting his name, uh, Sissoko. Sissoko, don't know how to pronounce it. He played so well for them in this game. Had 16 points. uh, Didn't have a block, but man, just the way that they played around the rim uh, was great. But Kentucky, they've got to be able to to execute. They've got to be able to finish whenever they can. Oscar Shibway, still elite. Still elite, guys. Hey, we said that he was going to be back for this game. He was. He dominated. He came off the bench 34 minutes, 9 of 17 from the floor, had 22 points, 18 rebounds. So we asked during the offseason, would there be a statistical drop-off for Shibway? We were just going to have to wait and see. How about 18 rebounds in his first game back after having a knee surgery? Yeah, four blocks. Four blocks for the reigning National Player of the Year. Whew. And he fouled out. A couple of those fouls, I think, were um, wrongly called. We'll just say that. I don't think that they were the right call, but it's whatever. He fouled out. But he is still out there getting it done. He's going to continue to be one of the biggest pieces for this team. When this team doesn't shoot well from outside, which, by the way, just to reiterate, Antonio Reeves, one of seven from the field. C.J. Frederick, two of seven from the field. When the team is not shooting well from outside, they've got to be able to go inside and get it to Shibwe, and he got it done. He got it done. Okay, 
The coaching matchup in this game, just want to kind of quickly touch on this. Yeah, Tom Izzo just completely outcoached Cal in this game, especially late. I mean, he just took him out to the shed, you know? <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, you got one of the best coaches in the country, one of the most talented rosters in the nation, and you can't execute in a game that you had several opportunities to win, some of them taken away from you, uh, some of them you handed away. Just a, just a confusing game overall that just kind of, that just kind of shocked me. So we've got a couple more things that I want to point out here. And then I've got, I want to get to the quotes from some people that I talked to because uh, just after talking with some of you guys, it kind of brings to light a couple different things that some of them we already discussed, some of them I want to hit on. Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline.net. They are your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, analysis, all that good stuff, and you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. If you know from football, basketball, soccer, esports, everything going on in the sports world right now, they've got it all going on over at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find all of those at BetOnline as well. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Thursday edition of Locked on Kentucky. One question, which Cal answered, and I then we'll get to quotes. Where was Antonio Reeves? Where was he? Well, he shot one of seven from the floor, like I mentioned earlier, but he only played 22 minutes. And whenever Kentucky's backcourt needed a little bit of juice late in that game, uh, Cal just decided that he wasn't going to put him in. Reeves had five points. Reeves had five points. A rebound, an assist, a turnover, a foul. One of seven from the field. And I understand wanting to pull a kid because you either think that, A, even though they've harped on how much better of a defender he is than, than, they, than the coaching staff thought he'd be, I understand like wanting to take him out of the game because he's cold from the floor, and then B, also, like I mentioned, uh, maybe a defensive question mark for you, which I don't think he, he is as much of a defensive question mark as some people may like to say. Like, I understand why he was pulled and he didn't play as much, but the fact that he didn't get to see the court at all in that second overtime, at least by, by, by my account, I was there, I was, I was watching. Maybe I was just blanked out for a second, but the fact that he didn't get to see it at all it's just so confusing to me. Where was he? Well, according to Cal, you know, he, may, he was like, oh, that's a good point. You know, we probably should have played him in hindsight a little bit more than we did. Oops. You know, just plead oopsie-daisy to, to, to one of the biggest, uh, you know, matchups uh, so far uh, in this season. The biggest matchup so far in this season. One of the biggest of the non-con slate. And just plead, oops, my bad. Should, probably should have played him. Was it a bad matchup? Maybe Cal just didn't want to talk about that. I was like, yeah, I just think that it's just a bad matchup. You know, maybe offensively, uh, Michigan State was, was kind of clamping down on him saying, we were just going to make sure that he can't score because he's one of the biggest threats on this court. Maybe Michigan State had to figure it out, and Coach Cal knew that, and he wasn't willing to say that. I don't know. I don't know. Don't know where, where he was. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so glad Cal didn't respond whenever it was like, where was he? Eh, haven't seen him. I'm glad that was not the response. Anyway. Some quotes here from some of the people that I got to hang out with straight up. And this is not, some of these are word for word. Wanted to write most of this down. Here's the first one. 
Quote, Michigan State won the game more than Kentucky. They played harder. The execution at the end of the game was poor. Severe Wheeler missed a lot, a lot of close-range shots. The bench play for Kentucky was great, but the starting five got outplayed. They couldn't stop the pick-and-roll sets for Hauser. At the end of the day, execution from the point guard spot late was costly. A couple notes here. A couple notes here. Joey Hauser had the game of his life. 23 points on 8 of 16 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3, 8 rebounds, a steal, and an assist. Goodness gracious, he played out of his mind. And it wasn't necessarily the pick-and-roll sets that bothered me. It was these. It was the double stagger sets that can that Michigan State continued to run that Kentucky just couldn't stop. You know, whenever you set, you normally you would set a stagger, and it would be two players that are trying to clear up a a shooter that is rolling around to get a shot um, on either side of the wing or at the top of the key. Well, they were they ran that set twice to get Hauser open for like almost an elbow jumper inside the arc. And he knocked it down both times. And it's just like, you've got to be able to put a man on him. Put a man on him. Damian Collins, uh, bless his heart. And uh, again, thoughts and prayers to his family. Just at a couple of times, Michigan State just ran things to kind of separate Damian Collins and Joey Hauser. And Collins could not recover. And you've got to be able to have better awareness and defensive, you know, identifying those things as a whole, as a team. And you've got to be able to, Contain the star player when you know the best shooter is is going off. And the fact that Kentucky couldn't do that and Michigan State was doing what they wanted to to set staggers or set double staggers, like literally do it twice and then try and get Hauser open. Um, it was it was a little frustrating to watch that, that Kentucky couldn't identify that and get through it. And we saw similar things last year, right? We saw at times where Kentucky struggled with pick and roll action and different things like that against Auburn where they ran the same thing to Walker Kessler over and over and over and over and over and over again. And Kentucky just couldn't couldn't put it down. They couldn't put it down. Second quote here, Kentucky has more talent, one or two plays away from beating Michigan State. That said, we have to get some things in order, namely free throws and execution on defense, specifically so that we can have a chance at being really competitive. It's a great point. I want to get to that in a second. He continues, the fact that it took two dunks to get it to double double overtime is plenty enough for me to say that this team has an unlimited ceiling. If we make three free throws and win threes or make threes, we win that game. So what he's saying here is that if Kentucky can knock down the free throws and they can play better on defense, he says being really competitive is what the Wildcats can do. And he says the team has an unlimited ceiling. Guys, I think we need to establish this here real quick. This game, this loss is not the end of the world even close to it. Like it's not it's not a it's not a game where you go and you just panic and freak out after it. But this team has so much potential. They've got to be able to tighten things up in areas that they can. They've proven that they can. And two defensive breakdowns, you know, to to have that happen twice uh in close moments, you know, that's not going to happen I think often moving forward this season. I think you're going to see the Wildcats, you know, tighten up in those spots. Make your free throws, knock down a couple more outside shots, get back in transition, you know, do the things that you are capable of doing. And he said, we'll win that game if we do those things. I'll add on to that. I think we cover. I think we maybe win almost by double digits because it would get to a point in regulation where Kentucky gets up by seven or eight. Michigan State has to foul. You keep making your free throws. Hey, you cover that game. It was like a seven-point, six-and-a-half-point line by the time tip came, so... And then the final quote here, shorter one, we lost to a good team in double overtime with our star player fouling out. 
We've got Gonzaga in a couple days, and we've got a shot in that one. So, 100%, I agree. Hey, tomorrow we're going to have a breakdown on Gonzaga. The Bulldogs got blown out by Texas a couple of nights ago. Just a wild, wild turn of events. We're, we're also going to be re- recapping Kentucky's game against South Carolina State. Um, that's going to be a fun one. So make sure you are, you know, watching the uh, watching the podcast feed for that one. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hey, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter over at Lance Stahl underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns? Leave them in the YouTube comments below. Help. Tell me how you thought about this game. What do you What did you think about this game? Just a weird one. Just a weird one for me. I will see you all tomorrow. Gonzaga, Kentucky, it's going to be big. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.